Hello and welcome to a new episode of Growth Fit interview series by CustomFit.ai. CustomFit is a no-code website personalization tool for marketers and sales professionals. With this tool, you can customize website content within just three steps. Download the Chrome plugin, customize your website content, and generate shareable links. We are so excited to have with us Ronnie Wexelmel. Sorry. Ronnie Wexelman. He's joining us from Israel. He's the VP of Marketing at Optimo. Optimo is the leading CRM marketing hub, empowering brands to create and manage large-scale customer-led journeys. It's my pleasure to welcome you, Ronnie, to this new season of GrowthFit series. You were recently promoted to the VP marketing position. Many congratulations on that. Thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to be back for season two. Right. So, uh, in season one, we had a very interesting discussion about um, different aspects of branding and marketing. So, once again, we we want to continue that discussion further, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to uh, hear a lot of insights from you regarding product marketing and learn from you. Let's go. Let's get it going. Yeah. So um, now, since you are handling a lot of roles in product marketing now, so I just wanted to know what is your go-to mantra for SaaS marketers? For SaaS marketing? I think that it's, uh, it has to be one problem at a time. Uh, <laughs> sometimes... Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in product marketing, if you're in growth marketing, if it's uh, content. There's always, it seems like, a, a tsunami of problems coming your way. Um, you just have to, you know, be able to, to to figure out what is the one problem that's the most acoustic one to that specific moment uh, and trigger it down as you go uh, to the rest. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't discovered as humans how to uh, solve multiple problems at once. Um, we only have two pair of hands, one brain, two eyes, etc. So it kind of becomes a bit uh, complex, um, you know. And even if you have a team, you still want to be able to kind of say, okay, this is a priority, this is a problem we're solving first, this is a problem we're solving second, um, or this is a challenge, not necessarily a problem, but this is a challenge we're solving first and second, uh, and going from there uh, and moving on. So trying to kind of like see the whole picture and saying this is what we have to focus on today or in the next few hours or in the next week depending on you know what you're trying to achieve right right i think every marketer can relate to that because there are so many aspects of marketing and on a day there can be so many things on one's plate so to actually prioritize those things is is a, a challenge in itself right so if you've solved that problem of prioritizing i think um, a lot of things fall into place, right? Uh, so I want to get on to the lead nurturing part of marketing. So what are your strategies for lead nurturing? Yeah, I think that, you know, the classic things work well. I think it, it really depends, first of all, on, on the strategy that your company is taking on, which can depend a bit on the stage your company is at. 
uh, if you're a very early stage startup, then you're probably, uh, you know, not very early stage, but you're in, you're in a stage where you're trying to grow as a startup. You're probably trying to uh, start generating leads. You might be uh, doing paid acquisition, right? And you want to have this kind of like one or two uh, lead magnet assets that allow you to capture good quality leads. Uh, and then you want to have kind of like some kind of nurturing flow, right? You want to spread the net as far as possible. And then as your nurturing flow goes on, you're kind of like uh, uh, funneling people through uh, the funnel, right? And, and, and staying with the ones that are more relevant for your sales team to approach or, or for them to buy. Um, if you're having uh, a product-led kind of product-led growth kind of strategy, then that might change a bit because you're not trying to funnel people into sales, you're trying to convert them to your website, get them to try your product and so forth. For us, which we are a bit of a more mature company, uh, we right now go to market in an ABM uh, focused manner. Uh, it makes it a bit different. You go for quality instead of quantity of leads. You still have the um, nurturing flows. You still have to match um, the right message to the right stage of the funnel that your uh, customer or target company is at. But it, you start from creating and curating the list of targets that you want to reach. Uh, instead of just um, putting out the net out there. So I think that, you know, it, it, the strategy that you should follow, it really depends on the stage you're at uh, and the way that you go to market. Um, if it's direct sales or partner sales, or if it's kind of like a product-led growth uh, approach. So it will vary a bit. Um, we've seen a lot of success in, in the ABM-centric uh, approach. Uh, but yeah, it might not be right for, for, for every company. It depends where you are. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to uh, the different stages of the funnel in marketing, website plays a very important role, right, in uh, communicating with the prospects and also with the existing customers. So um, let's imagine you are given a task to drive traffic to a particular website. What will be your strategy that you begin with in general? Yeah, and again, I think that it's a good question to have, and, and I'll, I'll say that it really depends at what stage you are as a company. Um, if you're an early stage uh, company and your website doesn't have domain authority, it's going to be very difficult to rank high for SEO keywords, right? So you might want to try to acquire some traffic to uh, for paid, right, or for partnerships with with other brands or with blog writers that your audience might um, might might be uh, relevant uh, willing for, right? If you're more a mature company and you have already uh, some traction on Google and whatnot, then you can probably uh, put in efforts um, into SEO uh, into um, trying to rank for specific keywords, keyword research, and so forth. And if you're trying to go to market in ABM way, then you're probably also trying to, once again, swing in the pendulum a bit back into buying the right traffic uh, to get to your, um, to your audiences. Uh, it's, it, it, it would always be a balance at the end of the day. You're trying to strive a balance between organic traffic, pay traffic, referral traffic, and so forth, uh, because you, I don't believe you can win with only one. Uh, you have to, to grow, you have to have a combination of all of them. Just you have to keep in mind where you are at, you know, research-wise, 
uh, we were talking about prioritization before, um, where you are resource-wise uh, and what you can do at any given time, right? And, and that's what's going to lead the how do you get uh, website traffic or, or grow your website traffic month over month and so forth. That sounds good. Um, once we have a website, it's the first priority is to um, get people onto the website. And then gradually, conversion rate on the website becomes more important, right, when you measure these different matrices. So um, once you have a good website set up and you also have a good amount of traffic coming onto it, so um, now how what will be your methodology to drive conversion rate on the website? So it's, it's a good question. I think that the, the, the first key is to avoid misalignment between the landing page and whatever your uh, audience clicked on to get to your website. So unless they're basically typing optimum.com into, uh, in, into their browser and kind of like reaching our homepage, uh, you have to assume that the audience has reached you by either clicking on some link anywhere. That could be social, a paid ad, it could be another website, or um, via search. And under that assumption, what you always want to do is you want to optimize that matching between the person's click and the uh, landing page where the person is, is arriving at. There's too many... Uh, occasions where that doesn't happen even for uh, very mature uh, brands and that's the first thing that eats out to your uh, conversion rate right a person that lands on the page and says wait this is not what i was expecting would just bounce and not convert and then you know you're trying to create this uh snowball effect where the person says okay i'm at the right place i read the first line it's interesting. I want to go to the second line. I want to understand. Okay, here's the offer. Now I want to convert. Uh, it takes it, it, it takes a bit. You there are people who like to uh, um, push the offer right up to the top and kind of try to get you to convert on that form right away. Um, I don't know if it's the best practice. Uh, I prefer kind of trying to give you a bit of more content and more um, value before uh, I try to incite, entice you to convert. So, you know, I don't know, you know, people will say that both work, it depends on your audience and what they're used to doing and how they're used to having it. But uh, definitely the first thing is get that alignment between what drove the click and the landing page in the right place. And then only then create that snowball effect of engaging your audience and getting them uh, to, to convert through whatever you're trying to convert them to. Right, right. Uh, so we often see that when we visit a website, we we do engage on the content, but there are certain parts in which there is friction and uh, the audience kind of drops off from those pages, right? So I think you rightly covered this point that it's important to align the website to the larger goals. Uh, so Ronnie, since you must have seen so many websites and uh, you we must have spoken to so many marketers. Uh, is there any point that you feel, you know, product uh, on the website marketers are getting it wrong or neglecting certain points when it comes to creating engagement on the website? 
or something that they often uh, misjudge or neglect? Yeah, so it's hard to say. I don't like, you know, um, I can't point, I don't want to point uh, to specific examples <laughs> on a publicly available podcast. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, a lot of marketers try to um, jump way too forward instead of covering their bases. Um, there's this fine balance you want to uh, maintain between being very personalized and kind of having the um, and then having a message that's coherent to to most of your audience. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, where marketers kind of fail is when they go all the way into that one-to-one -one personalization without covering the basis of, you know, what's the story we're trying to tell and you get lost in the, oh, but there's a specific scenario that we want to answer to, right? And you're kind of like, well, yeah, but that scenario represents, I don't know, 0.1% of the people that are running to, to your site and you're not serving the 20% or the 50% that's a bigger. So sometimes that happens. Um, I think that's just doing a disservice to yourself of trying to answer for every single uh, micro scenario that might happen. So. Okay, okay. Uh, so when it comes to inbound marketing, what are uh, a few very important things that you make sure are included in inbound marketing strategy? Let's say three important, important components. That you want to make sure that your um, segmentation is right, that you kind of like understand who are the audiences that are coming in. You want to make sure that your um, conversions are working, so you want to be able to keep an eye on the conversion rates of the uh, landing pages where people are landing, and kind of like have a benchmark for yourself and trying to optimize the benchmark as you go. And you have to be aware of retaining that. So not only uh, converting them at the first point, but then being able to keep them engaged as they move forward and as you nurture them and as you um, grow. And this is post-website in most cases. Um, as you grow your audience into feeling comfortable to buy your product, to try your product, to use your product, and whatnot. So I think that you know uh, a, a lot of the inbound um, is focused always on, okay, let me get them into my website, let me convert them once they're in my website, and people forget that third element, which is the retention of those people, that nurturing of those people. Right, right. And, and you want to make sure that if you've already spent all this energy and even money bringing them in and converting them, you don't want them to just kind of like disappear forever if they didn't immediately pan out into uh, a user or, or a potential purchase, right? Yeah, that's so true. Um, so when it comes to retaining those people when uh, who are already engaged with your content, uh, I just wanted to know what is your take on having personalized messages on landing pages uh, and all those different touch points in customer interaction. Let's let's consider this situation that we are uh, showcasing relevant content to each visitor at each stage and uh, nurturing those lanes 
providing uh, by showcasing personalized messages to them addressing their uh, specific problem areas so um, what is your take how much you think this will be effective in retaining them yeah so i think it's i i think it's effective i think that there's the challenge in in, in personalization of, of websites or any channel is that you can't scale it without strong ai so you just have to have the right partner that gives you that ai uh, capability um you know i can't i can speak about uh outbound message personalization, which is what Optimove does, for example. Uh, and we, we allow our customers to scale through AI uh, in that personalization aspect, right? If you're trying to get the one-to-one -one personalization in your website, then you're also going to have to find that partner that will allow you to create these personalized experiences at scale. Uh, doing it manually just becomes impossible. Um, you can only, you have a, a glass ceiling of how personalized you can get, um, mm -hmm. unless you can basically hire millions of people to work for you and, and kind of personalize one-to-one. -one. But if you're a growing brand and you have uh, a lot of uh, customers and, and, and a lot of prospects and you have uh, aspirations of continuing to grow, uh, doing that manually uh, just doesn't scale, right? You're going to have to have the AI. So yes, it will work, um, but you have to find that right partner. Um, that can help you scale that for you. So um, we often see that marketers do mention this point that there is a, sort of a gap when it comes to creating personalized uh, uh, messaging on the website, that marketers are not equipped with the technology to create personalization on scale. Uh, so just wanted to add about custom fit that custom fit um, a website personalization tool it it is no code so uh, marketers don't have to rely on the uh, coders and developers to create these personalized personalized messages same thing for sales we also have an outbound tool so sales professionals can use that tool create um, website uh, uh, content just edit and customize those contents or even personalize those contents and share the link with their prospects. So that increases the chances of the visitor engaging on the message more and even the chances of them converting. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's also part of the solving that scale problem, right? Having a no-code hmm, right. solution that allows for that individual uh, marketer or contributor to go in and not have to know uh, how to um, code the answer or, or how to code the solution and you can just kind of like point and click really gives that individual the ability to work a lot faster to answer a lot faster and at the end of the day to uh, to roll out a, a product that is um, at the same level that a coder would have gotten without having to wait in line for that uh, yeah. resource to, to become available so definitely a, a welcome addition uh, to, to the tool set for sure yeah uh, so, what is your strategy for keyword research or making sure that the content marketing part of your website is is uh, passes the keyword test, is optimized for the keywords? Sure. So, I think that 
you know, today there are so many tools out there that one help you understand what keywords are valuable for you. Uh, but and and second, that help you understand how the landing page, the SERP, right, the, the search engine results page, uh, looks. And you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to understand, okay, this is the keyword I want to target, and this is what Google is ranking today in that SERP. It, you know, is there a people also ask box? Is there videos? Are there, um, you know, what type of articles are top of the, um, of the results page because the way that it you can optimize is saying well if this is what Google is showing as an, a response to this search term then this is how I should probably frame my content and if you look at the first three four um, or you just randomly choose from the top ten three or four uh, of the results and you read through them and you say okay I understood what they're talking about how do I bring more value based on this type of discussion, right? You don't want to copy them because then you're not doing anything with that. You're not going to outrank them. You want to think how you can bring in the format and the structure that they are performing, how you can bring added value that would allow you to rank higher on those. So there's a lot of discovery that goes into writing uh, content if you want to write content for SEO um, that has to be done uh, by, by a person, and again, at the end of the day, you have to start, we go back to the prioritization issue from the beginning, you have to start uh, with maybe a few keywords, right, Get dip your toes, get ready, get, understand how it works, and then you can kind of like start scaling into more and more keywords or more uh, specific ones. You probably don't want to start with uh, the um, biggest, largest, um, most competitive keyword out there, right? Right. right. So, um, I think for marketers, it's very important to stay abreast with the latest information in digital marketing also because um, there are so many updates almost every year. So, how as a product marketer, how do you keep pace with, uh, with this uh, you know, evolving market. Is there any blog that you follow religiously? Anything that you suggest for fellow marketers? Yeah, any so there, there's a few. Um, I'll do a shameless plug that if you're doing B2C marketing, read the Optimus blog <laughs> because it's, it, it just there's a lot of very good content there. Uh, if you're doing B2B marketing, um, I think that you know HubSpot uh, for our automation or inbound, Moz for um, SEO, they're very good. Uh, DGMG, which is Dave Gerhardt, who was uh, previously at Drift and Privy, um, okay. is a good community to follow as well. You wanna have uh, a bit of a combination of, uh, of, of sources, I guess. Um, try to tap into some community where you can ask questions, where you can kinda like, uh, find peers who can answer your questions, and so forth. Right. Um, HubSpot blog is one that I also follow. I think they have covered a lot of topics around marketing and that too, uh, you know, a, a lot of content, a lot of downloadables are also there on HubSpot. 
So uh, talking about tools in marketing, uh, what any favorite tool that you recommend or uh, you would like to introduce to the marketing tech stack? I think that you want to start, um, and the tool that I most like, which I won't use uh, publicly just so that I, I can keep them for myself and for, for, and for my team, but uh, anything that can help you identify the visitor, anything that can help you as quick as possible know uh, the person that is arriving to you is relevant to you uh, is a good tool. Um, and, the, and that's kind of like more on the conversion side or, or on the acquisition side if you want. And then there's any tool that can help you to understand how you know, users are behaving on your website. And these are more common tools, right? You have, a, I know, a hot jar is a very easy one to use. Um, it, it's, it's a similar kind of uh, tool um, that, or any similar kind of tool, I think Hotjar uh, was one that I used to use in, in the past where you can just replay sessions of your users, try to understand how they're experiencing your website, how they're experiencing your uh, your content and understanding where are some failed points that you have to uh, solve for. Right, I totally agree. I think uh, a tool that helps you helps you analyze the journey of a visitor from and and where all they have experienced blockages. I think that's that will be very useful for marketers. Uh, so now that you are in this new role, I'm sure it uh, it it comes with many joys, but also there might be certain challenges. So as a, a VP in marketing, what are the certain areas that you find challenging, let's say, managing a team? I think that, first of all, I have a, a great team, uh, very uh, smart, smarter than me for sure, and very and, and, and hardworking team. But I think that as you, uh, as you grow as a company and as a manager, uh, and, and you have kind of like a larger team, the main challenge becomes finding the time for each individual person on your team. Right, um, you can very easily get uh, sucked in into a full day of meetings and, and even some late night works. But you want to try to to find the those 10, 15, 30 minutes to sit down with every person of your team. Not every day, of course, and not maybe every week, but yes, to find the time to spend with the people. Right, uh, I'm a big people's person. Um, I believe that that's what makes us kind of like uh, run at the end of the day, and, and that's what gives so us true. energy, and that's what makes us want to invest in one another. And you have to just, at the end of the day, I think, uh, find that time. And it becomes very complicated as you start to oversee more and more uh, uh, responsibilities. Um, but it's it's definitely something that it's worth investing in and finding the the way and and and, and the solution to, to solving the challenge of time, right? Which is probably the biggest challenge we all face at the end of the day. You reminded me of this line that our biggest investment is in our team and in our people. Right? Yeah. They they are sort I of agree. our brand ambassadors. Yeah. So that brings me to uh, my last question. What is your mantra for demand generation? 
I'll go back to the beginning and I'll say one problem at a time. Um, you always want to be, um, you know, on top of things and you want to look at different aspects of it, but you have to prioritize to what will bring you the most value in the next uh, X days, right? If, if what's going to bring you the most value is going to uh, sit with your team until for five hours or six hours and just go through your whole list of target accounts, prioritizing between them and making sure that they're the right ones for your market, then do that. If what's gonna bring you the most value is to write a, because you're, you know, you're, start, you're just getting started and, and you need this one piece of content that's very good, that's gonna create a ton of leads for you, then focus on that. You want to find what is um, the thing that can bring you the most value against and probably in, in the least amount of time uh, spent or resources spent uh, and focus on that one. And then you want to move on to the next. Uh, trying to do too much without focus and without proper planning at the end of the day will harm your output and will harm the quality of the output that you're putting out there. So in my opinion, it's just getting everybody focused, understanding what are the priorities that have to happen and making sure that you hit those priorities. So that was an important piece of learning for me when you said that it's very important that you prioritize and also plan accordingly. Otherwise, a lot of efforts that one puts in, we may not be able to drive the desired results from them, right? So with that, on that note, we have come to the end of this session. So thank you, Ronnie, for joining us and sharing your insights with us. It was, once again, it was very interesting talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The pleasure was all ours. <laughs>